this is Brett White and welcome to Being Leaders, a podcast exploring the mistakes, the challenges and the stuff ups that have helped shape our leadership journeys. I will be joined by successful, honest and amazing leaders from around the world talking about their fears, their failures and their freakouts. You will be inspired, encouraged and even a little surprised by the lessons, insights and learnings that these incredible people share. So thanks for joining us and enjoy today's Being Leaders conversation. Well, hi friends. Today we are so lucky to have with us a special guest, Manu Rajan, who's joining us from Phnom Penh, Cambodia. You know, Manu is an incredible leader with a passion for diversity and has worked in or alongside over 20 different countries around the world in Africa, Asia and the Pacific. Excited to have him on Being Leaders today as he shares some of his story. He's from India, and as I said, he's working now as the divisional CEO for the Wing Bank in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. So let's give him a big welcome. Okay, well, it's great to have Manu with us today on our podcast, Being Leaders. Welcome, Manu. Thank you, Brad. It's my pleasure to be here. And I, as mentioned, I just love the theme. You know, fears, failures, and free cards are things people <laughs> usually don't talk about. <laughs> so yeah, thank no. you so much for having me here. And I think as leaders, we've all had quite a few of them, right? <laughs> Many. <laughs> <laughs> so t- before we sort of get into that, tell me just briefly a little bit about uh, yourself. You're working now in Phnom Penh in Cambodia, but you're from India. Give me a little bit of... Uh, background to what brought you to Cambodia. Sure, yeah. Thank you, Brett. Uh, my name is Manu Rajan, as you rightly said. So I'm currently the division CEO of uh, Wing Business Division for a conglomerate in Cambodia uh, called Royal Group of Companies. Wing is one of the many businesses under Royal Group. Uh, the group has diverse interests in many areas, banking, telecommunications, insurance, uh, aviation, railways, fintech, property development, hospitality, energy, education, wow. and so on, right? <laughs> About 30 plus uh, businesses under that. So Wing uh, is just one of them. And it was started as a mobile financial services company with an intention to drive financial inclusion at the bottom of the income pyramid. And uh, over the past one decade, we grew to become the largest in the country. Now, today, the transaction volumes <clears throat> on uh, Wing is uh, more than the country's GDP value every year. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so Wing also uh, got awarded a commercial banking license late last year. And we also started our e-commerce business uh, soon after the pandemic. So these three businesses are now under the Wing business division. And I oversee them as the division CEO for the parent company. Uh, I'm from India, as you rightly said. Uh, relatively new to Cambodia. I arrived in uh, December 2018. Uh, so hired initially as the chief commercial officer for Wing and then became the CEO of Wing. And uh, thereafter, after we started, these two businesses became the division CEO. Great. Uh, how, how are you finding uh, living you know, in Cambodia? Uh, how's that experience been for you? And obviously living there through covid it's a it's a beautiful country. I mean, I was I spent my previous the last one decade before I arrived in Cambodia in Africa uh, across different countries. I was in about um, uh, I I was managing about eighteen countries uh, in Africa just before this for different companies that I worked there, 
so from there, um, I came to Cambodia and um, uh, I, I also uh, got, this is about the 23rd country, if I remember right, that I'm getting an opportunity to do some work in. Wow. I have not necessarily have lived in all of them, but <laughs> I have based myself out of certain countries and managed a certain region. So also came, because of that, also came in contact with uh, people of different uh, uh, cultures, people of uh, different ethnicities. Uh, and uh, what I used to believe uh, is that uh, fundamentally human beings are all motivated and driven by the same values. They are fundamentally the same uh, species, the same mm. people. Yeah, right. Yeah. What drives us and our motivations and our drives or drivers are all the same. Uh, so, uh, so I, so Cambodia to me is another country that I'm coming to work in. But it's a very beautiful country in Southeast Asia, one of the fast developing. Uh, um, have been Cambodia. I think in the last two decades. It has been in the top 10 fastest growing countries in the world. Wow. Uh, so, wow. yeah. So, in the thick of action. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, so, you know, listening to part of your story, you've obviously had lots of opportunities uh, to lead people in a variety of different contexts, countries, environments, cultures. Uh, and I'm sure that you've learned a lot uh, about leadership um, in that journey. Um, yes, I, I, you know, I, I personally believe uh, learning is just the sum total of your failures because success <laughs> doesn't teach you much. Uh, but uh, what you learn is uh, basically from your failures. And I also believe my next big learning is going to come from my next big failure. Uh, so from, from that point of view... Something yes, to look forward yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> so from... <laughs> So, and I always tell the youngsters that I work with, do not feel, do not feel scared to fail. Uh, you must fail because that's where your biggest learning is going to come from. So, from that as from that perspective, yes, yeah, leadership has learned, it has taught me a lot of things from those failures. That's great, and that's a really good sort of segue into kind of the, the conversation that we want to have about one of those failures, one of those times that you walk through you know, a difficult season as a leader. And I'm curious to hear what you want to share with us, what that experience was like, what it was, um, why it was hard and the impacts that that had on you. So, yeah, share away. Share one of those, you know, <laughs> impressive moments sure. of failure. <laughs> sure, sure. So this, um, this happened in a West African country that I worked about uh, seven, eight years ago. Uh, I had I had come with the experience of having done marketing at that time uh, for over 20 countries into that job. And I used to think that um, uh, human beings and their thought process is fundamentally the same irrespective of the regions that they come from, right? I, as I mentioned just before this. Yeah. Uh, I, was, uh, I was also a little more proud about my so-called understanding of consumer behavior at that time. So I thought the stimuli to customer responses are fundamentally the same and can't differ much from geography to geography. Uh, so one, so cut and paste approaches are okay. Yeah. Um, so this country that I'm talking about, I was sent, uh, was not going through a great phase. 
the revenue and the market shares have been continuously dropping for over a year mm-hmm. and the existing team's capabilities were under question mm-hmm. so i was in an east african country at that time and i had just come back from a difficult assignment in another east african country where we had bought over and successfully integrated a competitor under our brand in about 100 days wow. and this brand uh, that we bought over was one of the most loved telecom brands in that country and had an increasing brand bonding score according to research so the fear was that the buyover will get perceived negatively by the market but yeah. uh, we managed to successfully mitigate all those fears and integrate both these brands successfully in 100 days and that was the time that was given to us for the task you must finish mm-hmm. it in 100 days wow. so this um, is something which again had given me a lot of confidence in my ability to trigger positive brand affinity through communication strategies based on very objective analytical interpretations so so one day my group cmo calls me and assigns me to this task to turn around this west african country that was not doing very well for over a year uh, so i took it on and i went there with a very clearly defined task you know um, we had also identified uh, it as a marketing problem so and i also found a solution so all that you had to do was just quickly go about implementing it so in about two quarters we started seeing results the decline stopped um, and the last month of the first quarter we topped the revenue growth chart for the continent in percentage terms terms that was that gave us a lot of confidence so by the end of second quarter the growth was back and we were steadily registering growth month on month that again that doesn't sound like a failure that sounds like a success yeah coming to that <laughs> i'm just i'm just i'm just i'm just setting the context <laughs> yeah setting the scene yeah over confidence can actually <laughs> uh, teach you a lot of things right so um, again um, see these things prove uh, again to me that you know uh, the objective outlook towards problem solving can actually work so this is when i made the mistake so this is when i went ahead and tried to do a very objective assessment of a subjective situation with an advertisement for a very small product it was a very small product in its contribution to total revenue uh, in telecom parlance uh, we used to call it value added services so this product was a simple harmless uh, voice makeover product you subscribe to it and you can change your voice while you talk to another person um and then just just simple fun product uh, meant to do no harm <laughs> so so we had this product running successfully in another region and the advertisement uh, created for that country was um, creating enough demand for that product there so we were planning to launch this product in this country in west african country i was talking about and i decided to use the same advertisement because i was very keen to save some cost so uh, instead in, instead of redoing a commercial uh, i was thinking why not take the same commercial that is doing very well in another region in the continent so the advertisement it was a simple fun commercial it showed a father and a teenage daughter through a situation in their daily lives uh, the daughter gets a phone call and the father who is quite strict about his daughter having boyfriends picks up the call always and then it turns out that every time it's somebody else at the other end and uh, the father feels happy gives the phone to the daughter uh, in the last frame the ad shows that the boyfriend was using the product to change uh, okay. <laughs> while he was calling the daughter simple fun thing and i found no harm in that 
it looked like a fun theme to me at that time. Uh, but what I failed to check was the conflict or the relevance of that theme to the cultural context. Yeah. But nevertheless, uh, we went ahead, launched the product and the advertisement campaign. It worked very well. The product started growing in triple digits in a month after the ad broke. Uh, but one day, you know, somebody raised a question on a social media platform about the cultural misalignment of the theme of the ad uh, with their country. And a few people agreed with them. We ignored it uh, because to my eyes, um, it was a harmless, fun commercial. And I didn't see the uh, sleepless nights coming. So next, <laughs> <laughs> next thing I know, one of the radio stations picks it up and they ran a talk show on that. And then people started coming out and started having two views about it. The youngsters supported it and the uh, elders were against it. It was very clear from the responses that we were getting. But before I knew it was blown out of proportion. And the next thing I know, the global PR head of the company sitting out of India uh, wrote to the company's president for the continent inquiring about the situation and ordered an inquiry. <laughs> and in the process, took my night's sleep for a few days along with it. Uh, so I gave my explanation and I shared the commercial with them. So we put, so there was a panel that was put together to decide whether it should be withdrawn or whether or not it hurt the sentiments of the people in that country. So they saw the commercial and they decided it was a simple, fun commercial with no harm or no damage to culture intended. Uh, and all was well, <laughs> except for the fact that the five-member panel that decided <laughs> Uh, we had five different nationalities and nobody from that country in question. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, since I believed uh, that I knew the market, uh, we decided to continue the campaign and I was given a go-ahead to do that by the panel. And that's when all hell broke loose. You know, the talk shows spread from radio to TV now. Social wow. media was buzzing with debates over this commercial. There were clearly two sides, you know, people who found nothing in it and the people who found it difficult to accept. Um, it, did, it did help the product. Everybody kept trying it to understand what is all this noise about. So, so, so this went on for some time. And to cut a very long story short, finally, someone wrote to the country's regulator and they banned not just the commercial, but the entire product itself, wow. which, meant, which meant no operator in that country could use that product. And uh, along with that went a fun product for the market and business for the service providers of that kind of product. That is a serious uh, setback. A little bit of revenue for the telcos. And um, it also left us with a big learning about mm. the interpretations of the rights and wrongs based on cultural ethos. So that was, a, <laughs> that was so there, was, there are so many failures. I mean, but I thought I will share this one with you because I never saw this coming. Right. I, uh, and it was also a result of the successes that I had in the past uh, that sort of blinded me towards what could go wrong, right? Um, unless and until that failure happened, I never learned or I never seriously started looking at how to approach these kind of situations or how to take these kind of decisions. Uh, but that experience taught me one thing. You know, you never go for a cut-paste of solutions between markets, uh, especially when it comes to subjective areas like communication. Uh, and it also taught me to have good enough representation of the natives 
in any group that's deciding on a commercial communication. I still facilitate the process of developing the communication, but never again I took a final call on the nuances without consulting a person from the same culture. So uh, that also worked for me very well because in the same country, um, there was another situation where I had to decide whether a certain script uh, for a commercial was humorous enough. And I, I didn't find it funny at all, but, uh, <laughs> but I had learned my lesson already. You know? So I, the, the final decision was taken in consultation with a group of people who belong to the same country and they found it hilarious. And finally, we broke that commercial. It went on to become a very popular one that, you know, it opened doors for a film career for that model who acted in, in yeah, that. Well. Yeah. So... So hearing that story, a couple of things that um, sort of stand out to me. One was the comment that you said about, you know, I'd been successful um, and that kind of maybe gave me a false sense of, you know, my own um, ability to kind of lead or make decisions. Is that kind of true in that context that sometimes we need to be careful, you know, when we are successful, um, that we don't stop doing the things that are important as leaders, you know, as far as, um, in, you know, that inclusive communication, particularly in that different cultural setting. That's correct. It, it's, the, it's, it's especially for people who are expats working in a different culture, right? Because um, that's why I said the definition of rights and wrongs are, uh, are very different. Uh, from country to country and culture to culture. Um, even um, even if uh, the geographic proximity doesn't mean anything. You know, I've worked in um, countries where uh, the archetypes uh, of people are entirely different. Yeah. <laughs> in, though their geographic distance is maybe half an hour by flight, uh, but they are entirely different. Uh, so so the, your successes gives you a false sense of uh, belief that you know it all. All right, and um, and especially when you have worked in twenty plus countries, you have seen a lot of people from different nationalities, 30, 40 different nationalities. So you think you know them all, right? So, but that's not true. No. Uh, you 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 can you can you can especially when it comes to subjective things, you can have an objective process to decision making, but the final decision when it involves subjectivity around culture, etc., you should always listen because. Um, because as I said, you know, your, your learning is nothing but some total of your failures. And uh, you can only fail so many times. But when you look around in the room, you might, might find a lot more failures and a lot more learnings that has come out of those failures in the room. So you should just listen to them. The more successful you are, the more patient you should become. Yeah, exactly. And, and the more we need to listen um, to others. And I think that's really key because... I think great leaders have that capacity to listen and to listen well, listen to understand, not just listen to respond. And I think that's a great lesson. And I think, you know, there's emerging and young leaders out there uh, listening to this. What, you know, what would you say from that uh, experience and that, um, that failure as a, as, a, as a lesson or as something that um, a younger leader could take hold of uh, in their own leadership journey, what sort of would you love to sort of put in their hands in this situation? I always, I always let um, uh, pe uh, people I work with know that 
it's always okay to fail. So it's always important to remember that uh, your successes do not teach you much. It's the it's the learning lies in failures. But but once you have become comfortable in what you do, and then it's something that you're going to do every day over and over again, you become um, the num. Chances are that you're not going to fail, right? So you're not, the the the, ch- the probability of your failures will start coming down. So that's why youngsters, as youngsters, should never settle down too early. You should keep experimenting. You should keep trying different things. You should keep failing, and you should keep learning. So if I were to just put this as one sentence, then never settle. Keep yeah, okay. It's interesting because, you know, I agree that, you know, our failures, you know, overcoming our fears, walking through challenges are the things that really shape us and grow us as leaders. And yet, you know, particularly as um, young, and I think, you know, the more successful we become, the more we want to avoid failures and the more sometimes the more fear we can have of failures. So it's interesting that, yes, they they benefit us and grow us and shape us as leaders more than anything else, and yet we try to avoid them at all costs. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the more experienced you become, and I guess experience is also a sum total of your successes and failures. So that means there is enough learning that already is there for you to make, to foresee uh, the potential failures and uh, mitigate them. But uh, so, so when, but you have to, that openness has to be in your mind to yeah. say, I am not scared. I am not going to be comfortable doing this. I'm not going to get stuck in this comfort zone doing the things that I'm sure will not fail. So then your learning also comes to an end at a certain time. I think it's a great leadership lesson for leaders who are leading others to develop a culture uh, where failure is not final or fatal. And so there's almost that permission to fail. Um, obviously, you know, it's not about, you know, making the same mistake over and over again, but creating a culture and an environment where people know that it's okay to fail as long as they're learning from it and growing and developing. I don't know if we see that a lot in organisations. I think people are quite afraid to try different things because they're that fear of failure. Would you agree with that? Absolutely right. Uh, and it, that's exactly why it has to come from top down. Yeah. Uh, it cannot be a bottom up uh, approach, right? So everybody who everybody at the bottom is always scared of failure because uh, whatever said and done at the end of the day, as an employee, you are working towards the goals given to you, you have to do well, uh, you have to get a good appraisal, uh, progress in your career, etc. So that's where this culture that has to be driven by the human resources department, along with the leader and the leader has to take the first step and say it is okay to fail and then and maybe lead by example. Uh, so that's something that we do here. So we um, at being, and it also helps. Sometimes it's very subjective because it becomes very difficult to objectively justify the expenses in, uh, involved in that. Because here, what we do is we appoint a life coach to uh, all the people. So and the life coach sort of handholds them, grooms them uh, through their career and also the also their personal lives. So 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 that fear and then also interpret decisions. Uh, and puts things in a contextually relevant way to them so that the fear of failure or the fear of consequences of a failure is taken away from their minds. Yes, because when, sometimes when the boss tells them uh, that, hey, it's okay to fail, they'll say, oh, yeah, you know, somebody is just trying to sound politically right. Uh, but uh, <laughs> maybe the person doesn't mean it. 
but uh, through over uh, time through in um, through experience they realize that it's actually okay to fail and you have to demonstrate it to them saying it is okay to fail and when failure happens the consequences are not what they fear it yeah. is uh, it is right? yeah so you know the way a leader responds when someone fails is absolutely critical right very um, critical yeah because that's what's going to set um, the culture and the environment. So, you know, those out there who are kind of leading uh, and, you know, we say, look, failure is okay. It's part of our journey. You know, we're trying to create a safe space where people can fail. We need to make sure that when failure happens or when someone makes a mistake, that as a leader, the way we respond to that is empowering uh, and supporting the culture that we're trying to build. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for sharing uh you know, that little kind of journey um, experience that you walk through. And, that, you know, as we sort of said earlier on, there's, there's so many, um, you know, failures that we make or mistakes that we make or, or even, you know, conflicts and challenges that we walk through as leaders. And they are the things that, you know, really shape us and grow us and help us to build resilience and help us to become uh, stronger as leaders. So I've got a few kind of wrap-up questions that I want to um, throw you away and see kind of, you know, what wisdom you can bring uh, to our session today. So the first one is, is if you could give one piece of advice to emerging leaders, to young leaders around the world, what would it be? Hmm. I, I think, yeah, I think we touched on that. And uh, always remember that your success doesn't make you better. Uh, yeah. Sometimes we get uh, this uh, misconception that uh, when I'm successful, uh, I know it all. Uh, that's a mistake I also made. Uh, yeah. So the learning lies in failures. When you when you fail and when you learn how to cope with the failure, that's the biggest asset you can have. Yes, uh, and, you don't, and you don't have to fail every time to learn something new. No, right? no. So, so the collective learning in a room of people is nothing but collective failures and the lessons they learn from it. So yeah. all that you have to do is just and, and, and try and learn from other people's mistakes and failures what might be uh, a recommendation that you might have for young leaders like a book or something that has kind of you know helped you in your journey as a leader that you'd recommend other lead leaders young leaders to to read or listen to yeah so there, there are many there are many right so uh, as the times demand there are very obvious choices but um, one thing that the pandemic made me do is to go back to Dr. Spencer Johnson's book of uh, book, uh, Who Moved My Cheese? 20 years ago, uh, 20, 22 years ago, I guess. And uh, also interpret that in the current context from what it was 20 years ago when, the, when this was written in the context of the internet, uh, when the internet was picking up speed. But right now, after the COVID uh, situation, I think it has new meanings. So yeah, I, I even... Right gave a speech at the CLMBT Bankers Forum about how we can use the book uh, to identify the next steps for your organization and also how one can relook at, at staffing and the new skills required in the new normal uh, post-pandemic. Mm. Yeah, so but, so who, yeah. who was that by again? Uh, sorry? Who, who wrote that book again? Uh, it's Dr. Spencer Johnson. It's a small book. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, in uh, today's world of back to back video call days, uh, it's a quick read, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. A, it's a less than 30 pages. There's a, a book that I read a few years ago that I think would be another um, good 
sort of tool for what you're talking about with working in different cultures. Um, and it's by Erin uh, Meyer and it's called The Culture Map. And it basically talks mm-hmm. about um, different cultures and how they think and how they lead, how they d- make decisions uh, and helps you if you're working in a different culture. You can read that book. You can study the area that you're working in and it gives you some really good insights in how different cultures communicate, deal with conflict, uh, feedback and that. So yeah, I highly recommend that, uh, particularly to those people. Want to pick it up. Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, what's one thing that you want to be known for? Uh, to be to be frank, Brett, uh, nothing. Uh, I want to be the silent force behind the success of the people I work mm. with personally and professionally right. uh, and companies I interacted with and worked with. Uh, I'm happier when the limelight is not on me, but, but, <laughs> but, but, but when people like you invite me, Brett, to be part of something, to share my thoughts, uh, I do not hesitate because that's another way of, uh, you know, letting someone avoid making a few mistakes themselves and uh, yeah, hopefully right. you know, learn from me. Well, a big thank you again, Manu, for taking the time to share some of your journey. And I know that some of the lessons you've shared are just invaluable for leaders anywhere in the world to pick up on uh, to apply to their own journey. So a big thank you uh, from me. Um, It's great to kind of have you on Being Leaders. Any sort of final thoughts or comments that you'd like to say as we wrap up this session? Thank you so much for having me here, Brett. And and thank you again for having a podcast on this topic. Uh, It's very relevant. It is very rare uh, because people usually shy away from uh, talking about their failures because it's not something that you can be proud of Mm. unless you realize that that's where the wealth of knowledge is going to come from or wealth of experience is going to come from. So this taboo around failures Uh, I think uh, is less spoken about. Mm. I think uh, it's a very relevant topic that you've picked up and I'm I'm really looking forward to this podcast series that you have. Awesome. Well, thanks again. It's been great to chat. Really appreciate it. Um, Trust that you have a great rest of your day. So yeah, we'll talk to you soon and take care. Thank you, Brett. Again, thank you for having me and thanks for listening to me.